Hi, I'm Mike Reeves. I love my wife and she loves to travel. As a result, I've literally followed her to the ends of the earth. We've been to the North Pole, the South Pole. If they find an East Pole, I'm sure she'll drag me there too. And all I'm wondering is, what am I doing here? Mardi Gras is a deeply sacred religious holiday marked by topless women, cross-dressing, binge drinking, topless drinking, cross women, and binge binging. Today we visit two of the most famous ones on the planet, New Orleans Mardi Gras and Carnival in Rio. First, New Orleans. I've been happily married for 32 years, and the key to my long marriage is that I surrendered free will around the time the Berlin Wall fell. It's kind of ironic, the East Germans gained their freedom at the same time I lost mine, but it seems to be working out well all around. Case in point, the February after Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans, my wife said, I think we should go down there for Mardi Gras. I said what I always say when my wife has a horrible idea. I said, good idea, and off we went. We stayed in New Orleans with our friend Merrill, a Cajun so old and so tiny, even his racism is cute. The night before Mardi Gras, we met Merrill's nephew, Kenny. Kenny had just been released from Louisiana State Prison for a crime he didn't commit. And these had clearly been hard years for him. His front tooth had been knocked out, he flinched a lot for no reason, and at some point someone had clearly set Kenny on fire. Every fiber of my being was telling me to stay the hell away from Kenny. My wife said, We should bring Kenny to Mardi Gras with us. And I said, Good idea. And so we did. We arrived on Bourbon Street at 8 in the morning, Fat Tuesday. The streets were already crowded with fat, drunken men. I had hoped to see a lot of topless women, but that's illegal in New Orleans. Instead, there were hundreds of women with no shirts on, and their breasts were painted in amusing designs. There were cartoon bombs, the ever-popular Confederate flag, eight balls. There was a panoply of motifs. By Louisiana state law, this all counts as clothing. My wife, my conservative wife, my Harvard-educated wife said to me, I want to get my boobs painted. And I said, well, you know what I said. I handed 50 bucks to a hell's angel I'd never seen before, and he disappeared into an alleyway with my disrobing wife. Ten minutes later, she emerged with a Playboy logo painted on each breast. Immediately, immediately, 10,000 men with cameras materialized and began snapping photos of my wife. I tried to be the supportive husband, posing with her, but it became clear nobody wanted me in the pictures. In fact, men handed me their cameras so I could shoot them hugging my topless wife. I had become William H. Macy in Boogie Nights. For those of you who don't remember the film, he played a meek husband cuckolded by his porn star wife. The film ends with Macy killing his wife, and then himself. Denise was going through changes of her own. At first she was brazenly saying, Take a good look, boys. But soon she was going, Just take the picture, okay? And finally, Why won't you monsters leave me alone? I'm describing this change in real time. 
My wife went from blushing ingenue to burnt out sex kitten in 45 seconds. At this point, I needed to use a bathroom. There were now 800,000 men on Bourbon Street and three toilets. The shortest line was four blocks long, so I did something I'm not proud of. I went to the head of the line and told my wife, give him a show, baby. She shook her breasts angrily. Breasts can shake angrily. The crowd cheered and I strolled into the restroom. So now I was Eric Roberts in Star 80. If you don't remember that movie either, Eric plays a man who pimps out his wife to Playboy for personal gain. That film also ends with the hero killing his wife and then himself. By this point, Denise and I were mad at each other, we were mad at ourselves, and we were mad at all mankind. And it was just 9.30 in the morning. And then we saw Kenny, poor jailbird Kenny. He was having the time of his life, drinking hurricanes, catching Mardi Gras beads, and snapping photos. And I thought, if we could make a poor soul like Kenny so happy, maybe we weren't such bad people. I said, Kenny, you having a good time? He said, Yes, sir. I'm going to come back next year and bring all my wives. I said, All your wives? Yeah, there's my first wife. She and I still get along fine, and then there's my current wife, and... But my second wife, she was a bad person. That's why I killed her. And my wife whispered to me, Let's get the hell away from Kenny. And I said, good idea. And for once, I meant it. I once had a new boss who invited me to his home for dinner. When I arrived at the appointed time, my boss had completely forgotten who I was and why I'd come to his home. He and his wife were in their underwear, watching TV and eating takeout. They stared at me like I was a crazy stranger who dropped into random homes looking for free meals. I slowly backed out, and in the 30 years I've worked with this man, I've never mentioned it again. Rio de Janeiro is kind of like my boss. In the year 2019, 6.6 million people visited Rio, and the city wasn't ready for any of them. There were no information stands, no tourist centers, no currency exchanges. No one speaks English. They don't even speak Spanish. Brazilians speak Portuguese, a language spoken outside of Brazil by one-sixth of one percent of the world's population. Even other South Americans who visit Rio are out of luck. This is not to say Rio de Janeiro is the worst place on earth. It's not. Honduras is. But Rio is the worst place on earth that you think is going to be fun. Grandma's house is a close second. Rio looks great in the movies. There's that giant Christ the Redeemer statue on top of a mountain. But when you get there, it's not really all that giant. You've seen bigger figures inflated on top of car dealerships. The statue is made of poured concrete and is about the blandest looking Jesus you'll ever see. The name is a tip-off, Christ the Redeemer. The Redeemer, you can just picture this savior sitting home clipping coupons. Nearby is Rio's other major tourist disappointment, a mountain called Sugarloaf. Now a Sugarloaf is a lump of sugar shaped to look like a mountain. So despite its colorful name, Sugarloaf is basically a mountain shaped like a mountain. What was I doing here? Well, my wife and I had come to Rio for Carnival, 
that glittering fiesta of massive debauchery. I'd expected it to be spilling out into the streets with parties and parades everywhere like Mardi Gras in New Orleans. But Carnival is a private ticketed event held in a special stadium. Outside that arena, you'd have no clue anything was happening. There were signs for a celebration in the park, but in typical Rio fashion, the organizers put up the posters and then lost interest. Hundreds of angry tourists showed up for what should have been called nothing in the park. As I fought my way through the crowd, I got squashed up against a ferocious-looking woman. I apologized. She snarled back. It was only when I emerged from the mob that I realized this woman had torn the pocket off my pants and taken all the money I had. I walked ten feet to a policeman who was sunning himself on the hood of his patrol car. He was actually using a tanning reflector, something I'd only seen as a prop in 60s bikini comedies. I told the cop I had just been robbed. He looked at me baffled. Did I know him? Were we friends? Why was I bothering him? She's still there, I said, pointing to the woman. That black lady over there, the really ugly one. The cop replied, They are all ugly. And then went back to tanning. He's not just a lousy cop, he's a racist. I'd been to hundreds of countries, many of them hell holes, some of them war zones. But this was the first time I'd ever gotten robbed. The second was four hours later at a rigged ATM. But we're going to save that story for a future podcast. Crime, of course, is the one area where Rio really delivers. The city's wealthy tourist area is surrounded by favelas, a ring of shanty towns up in the hills. The Brazilians handled this problem the best way they know how, with cosmetic surgery. They painted the slums in bright day glow colors. They're still a nest of poverty and hopelessness, but now they look like a package of starburst candies. Problem solved. They even give walking tours of the favelas. The tour guide said, The people here are very poor, but they never steal from each other. We steal from you, the tourists. How many of you have been robbed since you've got here? There were 12 of us in the group and eight of us raised our hands. There was no escape from crime, even at a costume contest we attended. There were women in elaborate confections of feathers and spangles. One guy came as Big Ben. He was, in fact, the only clock in Rio keeping correct time. Another was dressed as the entire city of San Francisco, complete with glittering lights and moving cable cars. And the winner was a woman, or possibly a man, dressed as Evita Peron. She, or possibly he, wore a white dress and had blonde hair. That's it. The judges had clearly been bribed and the crowd knew it. The fancy dress ball ended in violence, because you know, you can't spell riot without R-I-O. But the real costume ball in town was Carnival. It's a non-stop parade that lasts from 9 p.m. till dawn, two nights in a row. I missed that first evening, having caught a terrible stomach bug from something I ate, or something I touched, or maybe something I looked at. All I knew is I was so sick, I was throwing up food other people had eaten. I sent my wife off alone, at night, into a strange and truly dangerous city, because I am a great husband. I stayed in bed, shivering, sweating, and watching TV. The only thing on was Suddenly Susan dubbed into Portuguese. If you don't remember this show, it was a Brookshield sitcom based on the premise 
that there's nothing remotely funny about Brooke Shields. When that episode ended, another suddenly Susan began. I scrambled for the remote, but it squirted from my sweaty hand and rolled under the bed. I was too racked with chills to get it, so I lay there all night watching a Suddenly Susan marathon. The only thing worse than watching six hours of the show in Portuguese would have been watching it in English. I dragged myself out of bed for the second and final night of Carnival. Thousands of Brazilians participate, representing dozens of Rio neighborhoods. Every group dances to its own specially commissioned samba, and every samba sounds exactly the same. Their outfits all look similar too. Giant contraptions of plumes and sequins. It's like a massive invasion from the planet Fabulous. Carnival costumes can cost up to $50,000 each, and the poor people of Rio pay for it themselves. What could have been their child's college education is spent on an outfit they wear once as they swagger down the mile-long promenade. When they reach the end, they throw it away right where they're standing, from glamour to garbage in five seconds. By sunrise, several city blocks were piled high with spangled headdresses and feathered brassiers. It was surreal. It was also the greatest show I'd ever seen in my life. Carnival was worth all my suffering. The robberies, the diarrhea, the rigged costume ball, and the 12 episodes of Suddenly Susan. I was hooked on Rio, so I came back to town for the 2014 Olympics. Once again, the city invited the world to a party they forgot they were throwing. They'd had four years to plan, but seemed to throw it all together in the last couple of days. Many venues were unfinished, others were visibly falling apart while the events were taking place. Spectators agree it was the worst Olympics of, say, the past 3,000 years. Oh, and I got robbed again. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Denise Reese as herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's Funny Doorman.